Welcome to the Live Exposed podcast. This is the podcast that is designed to help you break free from the fake life you've been living and live in actual freedom, the life you were actually meant to live. We're so glad you tuned in, and we hope you enjoy this episode. And if you do love what we're talking about, please hit the subscribe button, follow us. Also, uh, be sure to share this podcast with your friends and family and help them experience the life that they were meant to live. So, here to help you navigate your path to freedom is the host of the Live Exposed podcast, Mr. Reggie Brock. Hello again and welcome back to this episode of Live Exposed. I'm Reggie Brock. Guys, once again, I want to thank you for taking time to drop in to this journey of mine for 30 minutes every week. I'm thrilled at the response that I've been getting. My hope from the beginning was that it would just be helpful. I mean, this podcast would speak life into you in such a way that if you apply it, it can really help you transform or transcend any boundaries that you're experiencing, uh, be set free from challenges that you've had in the past. And guys, look, this does not happen overnight. This is not some magic pill you take, wake up the next morning and things are better. It just takes time. And by your diligence and your commitment to hearing and applying truth to your life, um, I'm hearing testimonies all across the country from people that are seeing gradual change. You know, I know there've been some folks that I've talked to who have had massive change quickly, but listen, honestly, most of the time it's people just stepping it out day by day, by day, by day. It's not going to happen generally overnight, but if you'll stay patient, you're going to reap what you've sown. And these changes that you're hopeful of uh, will begin to happen. Well, guys, I'm in this second part of my podcast. The first was more Really, my first, I think, 30 episodes were more just like me voicing what was inside of me. Uh, and I, I've kind of done a shift uh, last week and then this week, and I will continue it. And I've kind of entitled this shift Moments That Matter. And the basis for that for me is I have great conversations on a weekly basis with fantastic people. And I hear things that lodge in me deeply and cause me to consider they don't go away. And so what I've learned is when I hear something like that, I need to memorialize it. I need to write it down. I need to come back to it. I need to learn from it because those are the things that literally help check me, keep me my, my, my uh, mind sharp, uh, keep my spirit, so to speak, aware of things because I don't believe things in my life happen just by chance. I believe that there are people that come into my life that speak word in, uh, of life, that speak life to me, I need to receive it. I need to put it into practice and watch it change my life. And so uh, last week I, I had Danny Duval on who talked to, uh, about relationships. And I'm going to tell you what, it was the, by far the biggest, uh, the biggest uh, download episode of podcast that I've had so far. And I mean, I'm not like, you know, bragging about that because there's like six people. I'm just kidding. It was more than that. I mean, but it, you know, it was the, the magnitude of the growth, uh, over through. And I think through that podcast spoke to me and it is like, you know, now it's time to really bring other people in who have spoken into my life that I think once you hear them, they'll speak into your life and it'll make a dramatic change in you. And so today I've asked a buddy of mine, uh, Mike Goldenstein, to, who is with GAF. 
Mike and I have just been friends for about a year, and I don't know that he would call us friends yet, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave that up to him. But Mike said something to me, and let me set the stage for our podcast today. He said to me uh, uh, last week, he said, I want to, I, let's discuss the power of story, the power of story. And when he thought, when he said that to me, it just hit me in kind of honestly an awkward way. And I'm like, what is he talking about? So over the last week or so, he and I've had deep conversations about how powerful stories are to our lives. And so Mike, thanks for joining me today. I, I appreciate you, you, you being on with me and, uh, I'm hoping that what you said to me, will you can say the same way to others and hopefully really cause them to think and consider and make some changes in their life. Well, this is going to be a lot of fun. There's not yeah. many things that I like to do better than to sit around and talk stories with friends. And, uh, and so this so is going to are be... you saying I'm a friend? I, I'm going <clears> to, <throat> the, the jury's out, be but uh, we're, we're getting close. We probably have to get to the one year mark before we really, <laughs> you know, yeah. go there, but yeah. Have you noticed that though, when you when yeah. you meet somebody for the first time or, or getting to know them, you kind of gravitate to people who you know they're storytellers, right? And yeah. and I, in our world, you know, we're in sales, so we we obviously we hang out with a lot of storytellers. But do you find yourself gravitating to those people? Yeah, I, I think stories color life, you know, and they make things more understandable, as opposed to just data and just, as opposed to just. You know, some of the headline news reports that we see, you know, on social media. Yeah, so I think stories add color to life and, and make it more understandable. You talked to me earlier. There's four or five things I want to talk to you about today that I want you to share with our audience. And, and one of the first things you talked about regarding the power of stories is this whole notion of how stories teach us. You want to talk a little bit about that? What is the component of stories that offers us the opportunity to learn? The most gripping thing to me is the challenge that um, the creator of the universe, when when sitting down to say, I want to have a relationship with the with my creation, uh, he told a story and he left us with a book. And as daunting as, you know, 800 pages or however many pages your Bible has with the concordance and the and uh, notes and everything. But I mean, you think about it over the thousands of years. That's not a lot. That's not a lot. And And he didn't just talk about what we should believe he told stories and if that's the way that he decided uh was going to be the best way to communicate who he was and to have give us a picture of who he is um i I think there's i think there was recognition there that there's power in the story yeah parables are a perfect place to look at for that right i mean just like it just leads us down a path of understanding and illustration. And I think parables is, is you know, you and I have talked about a couple of those, like the prodigal son. We talked about that, that parable and the power of the story. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. And, and even to the point where I feel it's almost a disservice that uh, whoever edited that version of, of the English translation of the Bible called it the prodigal son. Because if you read through that story, I think it's clearly... It's not the story about the prodigal son, not the one that ran away and and squandered everything and tried to come back. Although that is a beautiful part of that story. That story is about the son who had no interest in celebrating what was going on in front of his face. And I think that's exactly why when confronted with that, Jesus said, you know, I'm going to teach these people using stories uh, because ultimately that's what's going to stick with them over the long term. 
And you can hear that story about the prodigal from any pulpit across the country. And it immediately illustrates family dynamic to me. I'm just like, I mean, I don't have a brother, but I have a sister. And I think about things. It's just a beautiful way of conveying and communicating message. Uh, I, I think about, you know, the, where the Bible talks about sowing and reaping. I mean, what a powerful, powerful illustration of how life should be lived or can be lived, right? You plant a seed, you know, that seed grows. If it's watered, it's tend to, it's protected. That seed ultimately uh, yields a, um, uh, a crop or a harvest. I mean, it's not hard for people to, to see that in their mind's eye. There's a part of that though, that, that story that people tend to leave out that I think is important that, was a, that, that I've seen in my life is you can plant, you can sow, um, you can watch and take care of and tend to the seed that you've sown. But the Bible says you will reap what you've sown if you faint not, right? And so I, I just, I mean, that just draws a beautiful picture in my mind about the importance of patience. So I think to your point, there's power in stories that even the Bible uses that creates just understanding for us. So I think stories have this way of teaching us in a powerful and dramatic way. I think you also mentioned to me that, it, you know, at times think we're taught things through reading the Bible that were unintended, you know, I mean, that were just, that weren't purposeful. Talk a little bit about that. Man, you can go so many different places and you know um paul is kind of known for reusing old testament stories in a new way yeah um and he always gets away with it and then we have some contemporary thinkers and preachers who have taken old stories and repackaged them you yeah. think things like the prayer of jabez or the um uh, purpose-driven life and that yeah. kind of thing and, you know you can you can take stories repackage them and make them new again and teach new things um and it it, and you can bring additional value out of the same story that you've heard a hundred times and you find something new every time. Yeah. So no doubt a lot of the power of stories is it's an ability to teach. The second thing you mentioned to me was that stories have become identifiers. I mean, when you, when, when you say stories identify, can you give us some examples of what, what that means maybe personally? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing to go through life and, and, you know, you go through this, who am I phase of your life? And then, you know, and when I would find myself in college and, and, uh, hanging out with my, uh, soon to be wife and, and that process of getting to know her family. And, um, it was kind of slow and it was over a long distance. We were 12 hours away. We we're in Indiana and, and she's from Minnesota. And I remember how difficult it was even to, I mean, it was way harder to ask her dad permission to ask uh, Beth to marry me uh, more than it was to actually ask Beth to marry me. I don't know if that was your uh, experience, but um, I'll always remember it was shortly after. So we graduated around, um, we left college around December. Uh, we were getting married in February and, and in January, you know, I had to make my home. Whereas we, and that's when I moved to Minnesota for the first time. This was 25 years ago. And, um, and her, her father-in-law didn't know me uh, or her, Dad didn't know me very well. She has five older brothers, the youngest of which is eight years older than her. So she's got five older brothers that are way older. So it's a very different and a unique thing to have her baby uh, going off and getting married to uh, some guy that he kind of knows. But it was um, has stuck with me all of these years 
when at the wedding reception, somebody that, you know, he barely knew me, but he did know this and, and, and half the people in the room had no idea who I was. And he recounted this story and I, and you saw this, I still have this handwritten yeah. uh, notes of this where he says, here, this guy came, uh, it was 20 some below zero in Minnesota, which I know you appreciate, right? Yeah, yes. <laughs> um, he called up 20 different roofing companies, said, I have a nail gun, a truck. I'm just uh, graduated college and getting married next month and I need a job. And at the end of the day, I had seven job offers. I'd gotten all my insurances to, to start working and I put a deposit on a apartment. And his next words have always rung to, and this is 25 years, he said, and at that moment I knew I didn't have to worry about my baby anymore. Wow. And it's a, when somebody tells a story, everybody in that room at that point knew me. And um, I'm sure my dad said some amazing things. My brother, who was my best man, said some stuff. I don't remember, but I remember the story that Chet told about me in that time. Yeah, it just illustrated to whoever was there what he had learned about you, even in a short period of time, and it gained, it created confidence with him. Now, you know, um, but I, I think there's, it's so powerful to hear that story, not just how y'all met, but just the transition from his baby to now your wife and being able to see what it took for him to really realize. And what it took for him to realize was that you were serious about this enough to go get a job, to go get an apartment. And that's a story that you'll remember. And probably other people in that wedding will remember for the rest of their life. You work for a big company like I do. You work for GAF. I work for Beacon. Two big companies you think everybody knows, but it's, and most do. But at the end of the day, it's always intriguing to me how people, what people say about Beacon that helps me really to identify where they are regarding Beacon. And do you find that same to be, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, do you find that to be the same as far as an identifier or stories that you hear about GEF that kind of sets the stage for your maybe new customer acquisition? Yeah, and I always admire people who are good question asks or you know they they have good questions and they are able to pull stories or they they're pulling information out and um i'm not, i don't really feel like i'm the best answer uh question asker i'm i'm one of those that tends to puke information and uh so i have to hold back but one of the things that i've really noticed over the over my career by the way today is my 12th anniversary at jf today really? so you got me on my on my anniversary 12 years today Did you get my gift yet um, I, you know what, I, I got an email that gift. something was coming uh, by UPS and I'm yeah. guessing it was either Amazon <laughs> from the family or something from you. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's one of the things that the parameters that I set for myself to make sure that I know before going in and telling anything about anything, I want to know their story. And so what I've started doing is, is when I what sit down with story, a new, another story about what? Well, and so when I, about GAF, and so what I do is I sit down and the first thing I always ask is, tell me about GAF. And I literally have no idea what they're going to say. I don't know if it's going to be great, if it's going to be really bad. Maybe they had a history, maybe they had a bad rep, maybe they had a bad experience with something. But I need to know what that story is before I can step in and start saying, hey, maybe I can help. Right. Or I have all these great products and services. Look at me. 
Um, I need to know what their story is. I need to know. I need to know what I'm up against, you know, and I've always found that that's been a fantastic way for me to really enter into their world in that identity. You know, they know what GAF stands for in their minds based on the story that they tell me when I ask them to give it to me. Yeah, but at the same time, it also reveals who they are and their identity, you know, because usually if they're telling stories, it's personal. And you begin to learn, or I do, I begin to learn about who's sitting on the other side of the table for me. And it gives me, their stories give the, the uh, uh, ability for me to kind of really figure out who this guy is, you know? And so, I mean, I think stories in a customer or a, uh, you know, a sales environment, knowing and hearing people's stories and what they, again, in this case, knowing about GF or Beacon, I think it's powerful. Yeah. And, you know, if you notice that passion and conviction almost always is born out of personal experience. So whatever you're passionate about and whatever you're convicted of, you can't be told any other way. It's almost always born out of, well, that's what happened to me. That's why I know it. So it doesn't matter if it's politics or religion or professional work life. You know what you know because you know it because you experienced it. And people are the most convicted when it's born out of their own experiences and their own story. Yeah. And I mean, I, I feel the same way. I mean, I, I can't, if I've had an experience, it's really hard to convince me otherwise. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just like, you know, uh, it's a challenge at best. So let me talk a little bit about the good and the bad, because sometimes you do get bad stories or, or bad things to have to deal yeah. with, you know, and, and um, you know, we, especially in the evangelical world, we, we look at, you know, the story of, um, salvation even and and how do we because we've kind of been told how this works um but when you're looking into a story of a person from start to finish a to z front page to last page you can't just skip around and pick the ones that you like so i have to take the bad gf stories along with the good gaf stories because there's some really really good ones and then there's some that we're gonna have to work through a little bit and i'm sure you feel the same way but even as you're reading through the the pages of the Bible. I and mean, we kind of live in a John three sixteen world for God so loved the world. And he gave his son and he just, he's all about love. And, and you read like the story of this King Nebuchadnezzar, when you're in the book of Daniel, he was a very um, haughty and arrogant King who God finally says, I'm showing you a lesson. He took everything from him. He started, he got thrown out of the, out of the castle he was residing in without, went away from people, kind of a prodigal son type of a story a little bit. And then he started, uh, it says he ate grass like the cattle. His, his fingernails grew like talons and, and uh, his hair was dripping wet. And uh, he was stripped of everything. And then it says something very unique and very uh, interesting. He lifted his eyes up to heaven. He didn't say a word. It doesn't say anything else. But in that act, God took that as a act of, submission for the first time and probably in Nebuchadnezzar's life and he was restored it was almost like okay so and, and and it goes into how he at that moment when he was restored and he started praising God you're like wait a second that's kind of a weird salvation story yeah. but it fits our narrative really well with a John three sixteen and God loves right. us but then you can't disconnect that story with one that comes out of numbers and you're the one who told me about this I'm like there's not yeah. very many people that have stumped me with stories uh out of the Bible that the dude is out there and picking up sticks on uh, yeah. Sabbath. And, and God says, 
Surely he must die. Like, wait, wait, what is that? You can't just skip around. I mean, you you want to, you got to have a full picture, and stories are a, an accumulation of all of these stories that end up creating who we are in the end. So our life, in one shape, form, or fashion, is really the narratives built off the stories we create. Right. And I mean, some of them are going to be good. Some of them, listen, there's people listening to this podcast today who, if you look at the stories of their life, not really positive. I've had a bunch of that. I mean, I've had a bunch of times there's stories that were, that, that are just there and, and they're true and they're not, they're not untrue. They're true about me and places I've been, things that I've done that I'm ashamed of, but that does not mean that that's the last story that people that can be told of me. I have the power to really start changing the narrative and stories of my life, right or wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I teach that in the, in the to, you know, I talk to my kids or, um, and talk to them about it as in caricatures. Have you ever had a caricature done of you? Yeah, probably have beady eyes and a great big this forehead. For me, head. it's a big nose and a, yeah, you know, yeah. suck, sunken jaw. They're, they're representations of you. You're definitely, you, you're recognizable. I mean, if I showed you a caricature of Michael Jordan or Tiger yeah. Woods or Barack Obama, you would be able to see, oh, I know who that is. That's Oprah Winfrey. But yeah. there's different parts of them that are, you know, either accentuated or diminished based on the artist. And stories are kind of like that. You know, I know I make mistakes and I'll walk out there and, and I know I've had some, I mean, it's been both the best year of my life and the worst year of my life based on successes and failures that I've had. And they've kind of become a caricature of who I am. And I've, there's times where I feel like that's not who I am. I know that's what just happened. That's not who I am. And I'm dealing with the, a, somebody views me only through that one story or that one mistake. And I want to try to fix it. Right. So talk, let's go back to this fixing stories that I think that's an interesting concept. Like you're talking to somebody about GF about GF. They've had a bad experience. I've talked to, you know, with beacon, they may have had a bad experience. How do, what do you do with that? I mean, we can't run from it. I mean, we, how do you deal with how you've had a bad, a, a bad, you know, you've had bad stories in the past with your children. You know, you can't run from them. What do you do about these bad stories that we need to overcome? Um, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things. I mean, but confronting them, uh, owning it. I know my wife and I've had a lot of com com communication recently about owning up to it. Just own it. Um, you, you had a conversation with me, and it was one of the hardest things I've ever heard somebody say. Says I when you you told me I don't know if you want to change. I don't hear pain in your voice. You know, it's in that has become part of my story. You know, I want to figure out how to um, fix the stuff in my life that need to be fixed. Um, you talk about living exposed. Mm -hmm. That's that's the place where I am right now that I am trying to feel the pain of actually changing and becoming the person that God wants me to be. Uh, and it's not easy. And uh, sometimes I walk through life and I skate through life as if I'm trying to change and I, I'm not feeling any pain. So I may not be 
changing as much as I think I am. Well, and at times even with customers or relationships with family members, whoever it is, we placate them and we just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We head not on you. Yes, yes, yes. You're right. You're right. You're right. But deep down inside of us, we know we're not going to do anything to change that. We just know we're not, but it's just like, okay, I'll let you say it. Now let's move on to what's next. And the fact of the matter is that doesn't fix anything. And so what I would tell you who listen to this podcast today is though your story may have guile in it somewhere in the past, you may have walked into a situation um, that you're being judged for something you had nothing to do with because of the company you represent, the people you've been a part of, com- uh, uh, you know, friends that you've had in the past that have taken travel roads that you weren't interested in, but you've got to face up to it and you're going, it's going to be painful at time to change the narrative. But I'm telling you today, it's worth it. And people really are smarter than we give them credit for when it comes to diagnosing the depth of our our, our real desire to change. And so much of that has to do with what pain we're willing to go through for it to happen. And some of you listen to this podcast today, if there's pain involved, you're not interested. And the part of your story that you don't realize is not going to change. It's just that you are so isolated from the desire, the willingness to pay a price. It costs, it costs to fix things in your life. You'll just move right on, brush right over them and never see anything truly change in your life. So see your story, if it's negative today, it has such an opportunity to flip, right? It has such an opportunity to go 180 degrees in another direction. But the problem is we're not courageous enough. We're not bold enough. We're not really willing to suffer the pain required to fix the problems that many times we made. And so, you know, I think it's important, Mike, in talking about identity and what it identi- what stories identify us as, we realize that we're going to have to push through on these negative stories that not just people say about, but we feel about ourselves to ever gain ground. Agree? Yeah, but let's talk about that a little bit too. And let me finish the story of my father-in-law's story. He says, I don't have to worry about my baby anymore. So that was 1997. That was February of 1997. By the time November came along, we were in a bowling league and his and hers, and, and we were getting to know each other. It was great. And suddenly we find out, um, I'll always remember this day, that that um, he had pancreatic cancer. We found out in the beginning of November. Um, within two weeks, he was on hospice to, and uh, at home and was not even responsive. And... Um, and less than two weeks later, he passed away. And and I don't know if it was the day before or two days before. I remember it was one of the few times that I was with him on his deathbed. He literally hadn't really spoken or interacted with anybody for quite some time, um, probably a couple of weeks by then. And I remember going to him and saying, with, with the words, I don't have to worry about my baby anymore, yeah. ringing in my ears still saying, you know, I got this right. I got this. And it was kind of my owning the fact that I am going to make sure that his wife and his daughter are taken care of from here. I'm going to own that. Now, before you start thinking I'm some sort of, you know, this is a great story. It's some sort of hero. He, he passed away like that night. It was he, he um, from the day that he found out he had cancer to the day that 
uh, he passed away was less than one day, less than a month. Um, I owned that too much. I went and, and part of it was feeding something that was already in me to be the workaholic. I was doing, um, two jobs. I was, and it wasn't because I had to do two jobs because I wanted to do two jobs. Um, as you know, we have, uh, four kids coming. Now we have five kids and I was choosing work over family, um, to such a demented degree that it's led me to where, uh, it almost cost me my marriage. It, and, and this, we're talking close. So when stories happen and these things that are amazing and, the, and, the, and this inspiration, you know, like we talk about how much some of these times, these stories inspire us. Um, sometimes it's inspiring us to the wrong thing. It put me in a, into a different level of, of workaholism that was costing me relationships all around me. I was burning bridges and it was all in, 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 you know, and I was placating it by saying, I'm taking care of my family. What are you, what are you talking about? I'm taking care of my family. Yeah. Like you're fulfilling the promise you made 25 years ago. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Well, uh, look, I, I, we could spend the rest of this time on talking about identification. You mentioned two other things that I want to, I, I really want us to, uh, close close out today with and i think that we're important you used the word just a minute ago about inspiration and how stories inspire us but to your point i don't want to leave this too quick because i think some of us are inspired to fulfill promises we've made and just get out of bounds with it like you just mentioned hey i'm gonna take care of your daughter and then you just run rampant, realizing that you're only taking care of a part of the needs of your family, right? And I think guys do that all across the country. I'm just doing this for my family. Yeah, are you? Are you? I mean, how much is enough? And what 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 is the ramifications of lost time and uh, memories made because we're out trying to fulfill a promise of just being, you know the guy that brings home enough money for us to all live. The first time I ever heard you speak was at a conference where you were talking about finding a new well, digging a new well. And there's a lot of different ways you could have told what you were trying to say is, you know, some of you guys are working hard and you're trying to make things happen where there's nothing there and you have to have a different mindset. You have to spread out, do something different. There's a lot of different ways you said that, that, would have gone in one ear and out the other people like oh yeah you need to do that you know somebody could have come to me and said you know what you should spend more time with your family you're going to regret it someday but you changed that into you need to look for a different well and when you said that everybody started connecting with that story and they and because everybody had a different issue that they were dealing with and i think that's kind of a lost art form you know i who is able to take a story connect it with people and come out of it with something that's memorable that sticks with them at the end of the uh, one hour or whatever you have to talk. And, and most importantly, take action steps. So that I, I've, I've talked about digging new wells now for the last couple of months, and it I'm grateful for this, but I have guys call me to your point going like, hey, man, I left that conference, and I went out and realized I can't keep doing what I'm doing and expect different results. I've got to dig a new well. And they call. And so basically the premise behind digging a new well is you've got to find a new way for a new thing, a new place, a new resource. You, you, you can't 
draw out new resource from old wells. Most of them are drying up anyway. And so it's been inspirational for me, not just them to hear that and go like, yeah, I'm digging a new well, but hearing the results when they executed. Listen, you may be sitting out there today, listen to this podcast, inspired knowing that your story is powerful and meaningful. But if you don't take action, your story will die on the vine. You can be inspired. You can be motivated. You can be excited about, oh, yeah, I want my, I want my story to matter. But if you don't do anything about it, you're not going to see any benefit from the time you spent today. And that's what I hope for. If you're digging a new well, you need to figure out why. And you need to figure out a plan and execute. And so I think that's a great story, Mike, about inspiration. But more importantly to me, it's about the story that inspires, causes, and requires action to be taken. And so to me, that's a part of the whole issue of inspiration behind story. And I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll say this and shut up, maybe. So I, I think one of, we've got a, 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 I call it, you and I on a call on Wednesdays. And if you're listening to this podcast and, you know, we have a contractor fellowship call every Wednesday morning that we're, we're on together with about 20 other guys. And it's called Contractor Fellowship, I think. Isn't that what it's called? Yep. Contractor Fellowship. Go yeah. on uh, Facebook. You can find the group. Yeah, you can find the group. And uh, multi, I mean, a bunch of denominations, a bunch of different thoughts. Um, and you know, it's, it's an opportunity for you to come in and be a part of that group. And, you know, everybody's kind of welcomed in it and, you know, but it's been interesting to me to see how we stir one another to go take action as opposed to just hearing and, you know, hearing and listening and liking and being inspired and motivated. But if you don't take action, what's the point of inspiration? You were going to say something. Yeah. I don't know if you're uh wife is a storyteller does she appreciate your stories does she about the first seven or eight times <laughs> <laughs> yeah well my wife's a great storyteller herself you you know I, you know this story but I'll, I'll bring it up again because it's very inspirational to me um, but you know when I started thinking about this whole idea of live exposed John Dye uh, said look man you need to call it this and when I first heard it I'm like that's that intrigues me but all I could see is a bunch of roofers out exposing themselves and then blaming me. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew though, if, if we named it that and it went bad, I just, I blame John. And so um, uh, I went to my wife and I said, Hey, I'm thinking about this naming this podcast, live exposed. So what do you think about it? Now my wife's a pharmacist. And again, I say for the record, cause she'll hear this. I'm, I am a, uh, uh, simplifying everything she said. It's not the way she said it, but I think it'd be easier to understand. She said, when I hear the word, words live exposed, she said, I think of the word bacteria. And I promise you to date, there's nobody who's heard me tell this story who's ever thought the same thing. Well, I thought the same thing Connie did when I heard live exposed. And I said, I've learned with her to let her, give her a leash to run with her thoughts rather than pulling her back and trying to figure out and dissect it too early. And she said, listen, this is what I think. Inside, you know, there are different types of bacteria and the ones that live inside that are not exposed to light or actually was oxygen. She said, they continue to live in the dark. 
They continue to grow and they never die off. But she said, when you lancet the skin and that bacteria is exposed to light and oxygen, it dies. And when she said that, it was such a beautiful painted picture to me about my life and realizing I just hidden things. There was things inside of me that were in the dark. And the only way they lived, Mike, was because they stayed in the dark. And until I was willing to expose them to light and oxygen, they were going to continue to take up space in me, poison in me. And I just realized if I will expose these type of bacterias, it, I can be healed and, and, and set free from it. That's a storyteller. I mean, I, start, I, I listened to that and I'm like, my gosh, I mean, it's just so practical and it paints it so well. And so believe me when I tell you, I like her stories probably better than she likes mine. So it's impactful. It's memorable. It's yeah. in, inspirational. Um, now, again, I, I don't want to make comparisons, but yeah. my wife's favorite phrase using with me is, just land the plane. Like, do you have to tell me what the expression <laughs> on his face was and what the <laughs> weather was like? Like, what is, the, just get to the point and end it. Like, what is with all this detail? So uh, we do have fun with each other. Uh, my wife and I are a, 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 a enjoy each other's company in that we are very different and, and uh, appreciate the differences with each other. Um, but you know, that one of the things that we have in common and uh, and I wanted to talk to you about this because we, I, I, you're a movie guy, right? Yeah. You like movies? Yeah. And do you watch movies just to sit, have popcorn, and enjoy a you know action or no. whatever it's on? I like to get into the story. Yeah. I want to see what is being communicated with the actors, and you know who who is the screenwriter, and what were they trying to to get? And one of my uh, and my wife and I is one of our favorites. This is going to sound really weird because we're horrible golfers, but um, Tin Cup is one of our favorite. And there's so many little stories in there that yeah. just connect with life. And at the very end, if you've seen that scene, I'm going to ruin it for you anyway. Um, he's neck and neck. He's ready to win the Masters. And he tries an impossible shot and misses. And instead of taking the drop and, and you know, getting his par and moving on, it's like, no, I can make this shot. And he takes it again. He misses again. And he misses. And he misses. He misses. And until he was on his last ball. And if he misses his ball, he's out of the tour, let alone out of the tournament. And uh, when he sinks that shot and it's the end of the of the movie and his girlfriend comes to him and says, you know, year in and year out, they're going to forget who won it. They're going to forget who got second, but they're always going to remember your 12. You know, our stories at the end of it become our legacy and our legacy is what outlives us. Right. Wow. And stories like living exposed and what happens to bacteria and the importance of writing what you have done and what you're hiding and what you've done wrong and, um, and in digging new wells and pushing yourself beyond what you're think you're capable of um, getting past the caricature of people and yeah. actually finding the character of them, pushing pa past and I believe this is one of the hardest things, pushing past the caricature of God. What, is you, what do you think God's like? Pushing past that and finding out what he's really like. Mm -hmm. That's where legacy is. That's where stories really become our legacy and becomes that which outlives us. So as we close, when it comes to the power of 
the story. What do you want to leave people with? I mean, what, what do you want people to take from this that can help them take what we've talked about today and impact their own lives with? The um, getting past the, you know, the social media, the, the headline. Yeah. That's, the headline's yeah. going to take, because the art of the story is dead. The art of debate is dead. You, we're, we're a headline, you know, microwave society getting past that really getting into the story, get things that are um, focused on those good things. Don't get, here's the other thing. Don't get caught up with all those negative stories. And, and you, you can absolutely put yourself into where the bad stories uh, choke out the good stuff. Right. Uh, even though there might be three bad stories and a hundred good ones, those bad stories still seem to choke out all the good ones. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but the accumulation of all of these uh, becomes who you are, becomes your legacy, and becomes what you end up passing along to your kids and to future generations. And I'd close by saying this. Your story is not written as long as you – it's not finished as long as you've got air in your lungs. You have an opportunity to change any narrative in the story of life that you've created or others have created for you. It's just you've got to make the effort. You've got to engage in with tools and opportunities that you're providing, starting with things you've heard today and really put a plan together to allow your life and the story to be retold in a different capacity. Guys, it's not over till you say it is. And I'm encouraging you to take the power of your story and make a difference in somebody else's life. And that's the last thing I would like to say. You know, our stories are not written just for ourselves. You know, our stories are not just for our own personal edification, our own personal growth and our own personal, uh, uh, you know, attraction power. We're really here at some level to pour into life of others. Let your story benefit somebody else who may be going through the things that you have overcome so that they can find that same sense of victory in their lives. Mike, thanks for being with me today. I always appreciate your story your friendship. And guys, if there's anything that I can ever do for you, please reach out to me. I'm really active on social media. You should be able to see me and find me. And until next week, God bless you. Have a great week. Done. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Live Exposed with Reggie Brock. In fact, if you did, go ahead and rate the podcast and give us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. We also would love if you subscribe to the podcast and also shared it with your friends and family. They would probably enjoy it as well. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you guys next week as we continue down the journey that leads to ultimate freedom through living the life that you were meant to live.